0: Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 626 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. Your host, Christian Piles, joined, as always, by the fantastic trio, Stephen Kyle Bradkey, Ben Funky Askren, and Oliver Bear-A-Stone. What's up, guys? A a very good morning to you, a a good morning to Ben from Las Vegas.
1: Yeah, my dad calls me Bear and, like, a good amount of family members, but... Nobody outside of my family really calls me Bear, but you can if you like. I'm your uh, brother, and you are now Bear to me. I, I dig it. So, uh, man,
0: pretty fire show coming. We've got portal power, a lot, lot more heat in the portal. We've got a copy of the. Um, I want to take the survey. I'm excited to take it. The rules survey, which is very fascinating. So, NCA sent out a rules survey to coaches. We have it. We're going to read it and we're we'll going to do
2: that right now. That looks fun.
0: Okay, let's do it. We'll just pull it you up right it now. Up. And, but I also want to say while Kyle Bracky pulling that up and, and uh, Tyler, maybe from the doc, we uh, we're going to have a, I think, I think he's a physical therapist. Come on and talk about the, how you wrestle with two with no ACLs. Like, how does this happen? How is this possible? How can you do it with one? How can you do it with none? This doesn't make any sense. And uh, yeah, so this person is certainly more credible than us. Hope they're good. Where'd you guys
3: find him? He hit us up. He reached out, and he's a a former D three wrestler at Concordia College. So, uh, Concordia,
2: Wisconsin or Concordia, Minnesota?
3: I think Minnesota. Concordia College. I think that's Minnesota. So many Concordians.
0: Oh, really? (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll try to trust him. Uh, He's coming on in like forty five minutes. So. Let's talk about this survey because it has a lot of the questions we've been asking for, a lot of the rule changes that... Um, and some ones that we didn't even know that... We didn't <laughs> even know were a thing. So there's some good ones here. So maybe these will... Uh, I know Ben probably didn't get his morning coffee because it's not open I yet, but not. maybe, maybe no. these will invigorate you. Uh, so let's I'm start...
2: I'm, fired. I'm on question number one, ready to rumble.
0: <laughs> okay, let's go. So first one. It's a big one. This is going to change the game. Re- removing the requirement for ankle <laughs> bands to be used in tournaments. Who um, no cares? An- ankle bands are used in dual meets are only recommended under current rules. Um, get, uh, well, I say get rid of the ankle bands. I think that'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be totally fine.
1: No, I don't like it because it makes for a cool celebration when you shoot them down.
0: That's a good point. Um, we will miss that. I will also miss the heavyweights trying to put them on, and then they don't fit, and then they don't wear them.
1: It <laughs> comes sure. off after the first exchange, and then he goes so, to put no. it back on, and the ref's like, just give it to me, Big fella. My favorite
3: is when they yes. used to make them put, put the it right ankle here. on their shoulder strap. Yes. Yeah. I've
1: never seen that. Never oh, yeah, Virginia, that. they oh. do that all
3: the time. Yeah, It falls no. off the big ends,
0: and then they, they're like, you know what, and you they plop dude. it, and they lop it right around no, the back. No, that's not
1: okay. It's okay. It's, it's a, like tagging cattle. That's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that to the big guys. No, you're going to mark them out like that. No, that's messed up. Just get bigger bands. Why is Spencer Lee using the same size band? As, one size fits Well, I guess all. we're just going to also just get rid of them now. So. We're going to we get rid of them. them. Yeah, we're not going to get deeper into it. OK, well, here's
0: a big one. Shortening the match from seven minutes to six minutes, with all I,
2: periods being two minutes each. I'm against this. I don't see why. No one was asking for this. I don't know why they're putting this in there and i actually like i like like in other sports where the higher you get of the level the longer the game is or the longer the contest is high school matches are 6 minutes college matches are 7 minutes uh, i but, think it should stay that way
0: but to that point the highest level is shorter than 7 minutes
2: well i i don't agree with that either what do you think it should be 8 minutes i mean that benefit me the most no um <laughs>
0: the benefit of yeah, Ben asking comeback eight minutes.
2: I don't care. I hate it. I hate it. I thought it was so stupid, and it was negative for me when it was the two four two minutes. twos. But you could only maybe go four minutes. Like that is not long enough for a freaking wrestling match.
0: Yeah, four minutes. Is I hate that the cadets are four minutes. That's it's so short. dumb. The cadets are four minutes is so dumb, Christian,
2: and just it, it's ridiculous because you barely get a match in. Um, yeah. and if you think of other combat sports, I mean a world championship boxing match is thirty-six minutes, a world championship mixed martial arts match is twenty five minutes. Why are we trying to shorten the highest level of folks out wrestling from seven to six?
0: Yeah. So okay, we're against that one. I uh, keep it seven minutes long. You guys
2: agree? So you guys agree with that?
0: Yeah, I don't want to get I like I like seven minutes. Yeah, I like that I long, do too. long thirst. You know,
2: one of the one of the things that I I maybe I think I should be called the greatest pinner of all time is because these low lifes, Wade Chalice, Dan Gable and G they had nine minutes to pin somebody. Did you call them low I was joking. They're oh. great
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> called Dan. Dan gave a low life. It was oh a joke.
2: Um, but they had nine minutes to pin somebody. Three, three, yeah. three.
0: Yeah, that's a lot. You know, a lot of time. people don't use low life enough. It's a very great,
1: great, great insult.
0: It's a great insult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Remove. this is a banger. Removing the 285 pound maximum weight limit for the heavyweight class.
3: I say no. No, can't do it. I,
0: I don't need no 450s rolling up there. I love it. Just going
3: straight <laughs> squish <laughs> that.: I feel I mean, like for the Chris
2: Taylor, I kind of love it, but at the same time, I don't feel like there's really anyone who on the right diet couldn't get under 285.
1: No, I love it.
0: Yeah, there's not many.
1: Why do we have to have people with the right diet? Just well, get some big yeah, guys in there, man. Support. No, I like it. I like it.
3: I don't want to watch sumo wrestling. Uh
1: yeah. I don't know.
4: It kinda of <laughs>
0: would be I I really don't, cool. I don't honestly
1: care. Um now that I think about it. Well the one thing I would say that is like I wouldn't like about it is that it goes from one ninety seven to unlimited. I would mm-hmm. wanna like there it, that shouldn't that's too big of a jump.
2: But Do you think it should be like what 205 or something instead of 197? 220? 220. 220. Now, That's too big because most of the big you know, a guy who's two thirty-five can make two twenty relatively easy. And if you're two thirty five, you're a solid-sized heavyweight. So I actually I actually think both high school and international wrestling have too many weight classes up top. So international goes one hundred eighty-nine, two hundred two. Two thirteen and heavyweight, which is only two sixty four in international. I would bump that up a little bit. It is, and it's, that, it's and, more
0: now. It's not two sixty four anymore. Yeah, because it's one hundred. Yeah. Uh, uh, one thirty five. One twenty five. Okay. Yeah,
2: that's two seventy um,
0: five
1: point
2: okay, five. Okay, cool. And then high school obviously goes one eighty two, one ninety five to uh, 220 heavyweight, I would take one of those upper weights out both of them and put them somewhere back in the middle to lower weights.
0: Heck yeah, I would too. There's way too many upper weights, way too uh, many. And especially in high school.
2: Yeah. I mean, so we did uh, We used to do this team camp where we would weigh in everyone the first day. And then we would literally say, how many teams are here? Is there there are 13 teams here or 14 teams here? And then so we'd count to 14 and we'd split it, you know, so there were zero forfeits. And you always, every single year, you ended up with like 140, 144, 147, 150, 153, because there were so many kids in the middle.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: And then obviously you'd end up with like 1, 170,
0: 195 heavyweight, and that was it. Yep. That's, like that. I like that. Yeah. That would be adequate. So, uh, next question. All right. Uh, let me make sure it is actually the next. I did not adding the option for the event host to designate that video review is limited to referee reviews only this survey question applies to dual meets tournaments and extra matches so that means no independent no review coach Bracky. Challenges, I'm guessing what does that mean bracky
3: uh i took it to mean <clears throat> that it's just, it would just be the rest reviewing their own calls instead of a third party
2: Mm. oh I thought it meant that no coaches challenges like the referees can call for a review if they want but not uh, oh. the coaching. oh
0: I th- I read this as that could mm, be too, yeah mm. I kind
1: of could see that reading
0: I read it as only only referees reviewing their own calls that's how I read it that's what I thought no at coaches first, challenges.
2: But you're saying Christian
0: no there's coaches challenges mm. I think it means no independent review like there's no third-party review Okay.
2: Why? Because probably cause that costs extra, I guess, then for the host, and that's why they can do right. that. Right.
3: It would be yeah. It it could be tough sometimes to get a third party for every duel or every mm-hmm. tournament. For sure. Yeah. That's let... fine.
2: I'd be fine with it. if that's the case. I'm fine with that.
0: Me too.
3: Allowing referee-only video
0: review for extra matches. Um, I guess they're talking about like the exhibition matches. I think the biggest part of that is that they're making rules about the extra matches, <clears> which <throat> makes me think. We're going to see those sort of exhibition matches moving forward regardless of COVID, which I think I, I, think I do don't really well is good. The coach I is the London. idea
2: of will we'll call them JV matches. I don't really hate the idea of you guys, you know, Christian's team bringing a couple extra starters and Kyle's team bringing a couple of stars and wrestling five matches before the duel. I don't hate that
3: at all.
0: Yes. I like it. Um, yeah, I think
3: all the coaches really liked it this year.
0: Yes, it's it's awesome. And then it's a way to get guys matches, but you can preserve their red shirt still, right? Like, boom. if it
3: was,
2: if it was a, would you designate a non-varsity? Match? Well, they'd be traveling with the team though, Christian.
3: Well, they so can travel with the team. Red shirts can travel.
2: Oh, they can now.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've
2: been would you able to designate for some it some time? as a non-varsity match, and then it wouldn't burn the red shirt.
3: I, I mean, I guess calling them extra matches, and then they just don't wrestle in the school singlet. Hmm. Yeah,
0: no, they can wrestle in the school singlet too.
3: You Used to not be able to.
0: They, they what, definitely what can't can. you on a
2: red shirt? Just compete in a varsity match.
0: I think it's a, like a duel or whatever, but they, they let them wrestle in singlets now.
2: Guys, I would actually be pumped if I think it'd be so cool. If now moving forward, uh, and I think football, correct me if I'm wrong, football sometimes role like this where uh, a red shirt could do like two dual meets or something, just to eliminate forfeits. Possibly if you, you know if you have ten guys red shirting and someone's hurt or sick or whatever, you throw a, you know, you have two opportunities to throw a red shirt in there before you loses the red shirt, that would be so cool. Yep.
3: Yeah. Yeah, football's, f- you can play in freaking four games and not- That's like half the season. It's not half the season. Six games would be half the season, but uh, they said they were gonna, they were like, if this is successful, we're gonna implement it in every other sport. And that's what I was getting ready to look up. It's been like five, six years now and they have not done that yeah. for any but other would, sport. I'd be open for that for sure. Yeah.
0: Especially in wrestling. Uh, it makes makes a ton of sense. Okay, here's the big one. Changing the sudden victory overtime period from one minute to two minutes. I'm not opposed
2: to this. I, You know what I actually, when I thought on this question, I thought, what percentage of times do people actually get a takedown within a minute? Because I feel like it's kind of a shorter time window.
0: Well, the problem that it's not going to, to me...
2: Well, I'll tell you what I think it's going to do. Here's what I think. I think... Um, there's a lot of times when people go to sudden victory and they think this guy sucks on bottom. I'm just going to stand around until <laughs> mm-hmm. we get to the ride outs, and I'm not really going to take any opportunities here. That's kind of how I feel it happens a decent amount of the time. And so if you had a two-minute window, um, if a guy does nothing, I think they're way more likely to call for stalling, in which case they probably should. So they'll be forced to wrestle. Um, maybe that's convoluted, but that's kind of how I thought about it.
0: Yeah, so I think – I mean, I don't like overtime. I like criteria. I don't like that there's just so much standing around in the last third period of matches. It's terrible. They're just like you, – you can tell. It's like, oh, 45 seconds to go is tied. See in sudden victory. And it almost always happens. Guys, don't push for the late takedowns. And then there's a lot – there's just – taking risks is not rewarded. Right? Because there's yeah. you can lose the match. Well, I, I never see the
2: difference with there being, you know, short time we'll say thirty seconds or less instead of forty five. If if you're greater than thirty seconds, I think if you don't suck on bottom, it's really advantageous to take risk because you essentially have two opportunities where in overtime or really, really short time you only have one. Right. So if you're really good on bottom and you take uh, risk and you get taken down, you're down by two, you get an escape, you're down by one, and if you can take down, you win again. Right, so you have multiple opportunities. Whereas if it's a really, really short time and or overtime, you don't have multiple opportunities. You take it down, it's over. Think um, how long
0: the the matches could potentially be if you go seven minutes, two minutes sudden long. victory, one minute, 30 thirty thirty, then two minutes sudden victory, and then another thirty thirty. You're adding six minutes. Do you minutes. think you'd have less? You're almost doubling a the match. How, do what? You think you'd have less periods without a takedown? Um. Certainly, it it would have to, it would have to that would have to be the case just because there's yeah. more time. So they're saying, well, yes, maybe the matches could go long, but maybe they'll think they'll be out ahead because they're not gonna have so many sudden victory ones go into tiebreakers. But yeah, um, I'm also um, my oh. my other thing with with high school because uh, like you know we had the so wait, these these
2: are college only or high school.
0: Right, but I'm making a point here. Like, okay. I never liked the, at who's number one, the un, cut the clock off takedown um, overtime.
2: That was awesome.
0: Y- yeah, but not really. I mean, it's like the mat is two thirds of the, there's three aspects of wrestling. And if you make yes. overtime only one part, I don't really understand that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, why does the mat not matter in overtime? Um, yeah. So i think there should be a component there personally
2: um yeah I, so in true in reference to your comment on uh, uh i like criteria overtime i was thinking about that because obviously we got to see a lot of high-level overtime matches last weekend and i think there was a period there where you know we didn't i get nationals last year and we just had a whole bunch of freestyle and all pretty much all of the Extra matches we saw last summer were all freestyle, and we got really used to that criteria. There is just something, and this is gonna also go to the next question that we're talking about. There's something so stupid to saying I scored six points, Christian, and you scored six points, and your six points are somehow greater than my six points. Mm-hmm. And I don't really see anything wrong with hey, let's go to overtime and figure it out. Yes, I, I mean I think from the aspect of um, it it being predictable at the end of six minutes, we know who the winner is. I think that's great, and a lot of people like that because it's orderly and there's no overtime, there's nothing extra. But the, just still the notion of I score six points and you score six points, but your six points are better than mine—it's ridiculous.
0: Well, I mean, the, it comes down to criterion duels. I it comes down to criteria. I, I, and I like that. tiebreaker. Yeah. Uh, well, how would you? What do you do? That's, I my mean, pre- that's just
2: my preference. I'm saying let's freaking settle it. Someone score more points than another person.
0: Well, I mean, at the same point. I look at how many scoreless regulation NCAA finals we had. That's not good. It's not good. If if there's someone losing, if there's someone losing all the time, that doesn't happen. Dayton, but but then you're creating, you're creating a scenario where
2: that must happen because of the rule set. Right. And, um, for expediency's sake, yes, obviously it's good because we're getting the result. We know in the exact amount of time, every single time. And we're forcing something to happen because of the rules. But It's not about again, expediency
0: with- for me. I think it's, I think it's about um, just a better product. That someone is always incentivized to score. There's, you have to incentivize risk-taking. Right now, folk style is catered to risk aversion. Get out of bounds. It's fine. Go out of bounds. It's fine. You don't have to score. There's yeah. five minutes of overtime. I don't like that. that. You need stakes. You need a reason to score. And everyone always needs to be incentivized to do so. In freestyle, that's the case. That's why I think it's a better product right now. But,
2: but so in freestyle, you wouldn't necessarily be always incentivized to score. And we see that tactic used a lot with foreign guys where they will score two or three points and then they'll hang out. And then obviously the other guy- It's start a lot down. harder
0: to hang out in freestyle than folk style. That's, um,
2: I, I guess that's kind of fair, sure. Um, L- look at yeah. the
0: leads that they melt away. I mean countless times you see these international matches guys that up four with 30 seconds to go lose up four 30 seconds to go in folk style it is over you are not coming yeah. back you're not getting to, you're not getting you need like four takedowns it's not sure happening. but there's
2: also a reason yeah because the takedown turn would be harder in folk style but again i don't this is just because you can get there faster doesn't to make it better i mean i i see what you're saying from a uh, a strictly entertain. so you right there's two ways to come at this there's from an yeah. entertainment perspective what is more entertaining we make it happen and then there's also from a um, what's more fair right or what's a better competitive structure competitive architecture and I don't think there's I, I think folk style is fine in that respect
0: yeah I think I just think there's little things that can make it better and you know what maybe no criteria I'm in, but...
2: I'm in for the push out which I, th- I think would help a lot
0: yeah why don't we skip down to that one and then come well, back least, to
1: the others. Is criteria on this? No, no. no right?
0: No. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't think.
1: Well, I I the next that. one kind of goes I into want to this.
0: Get to um, yeah. Awarding
2: three points for the first takedown instead of two. I hate that because a takedown is a takedown. Who cares when they get it? We should have different point criteria for different for the same move. Dumb.
0: Yeah, I would. And then, which I say no to that one, the first takedown. But I say yes to um, awarding three points for all takedowns. Instinct yeah, I'm, I'm kind of
2: interested in that one because uh, then I wonder what they're doing with the reversals, right? A reversals then two um, or, you know, or did I state, did they go up to three also? Um, I'd have to really think about, I feel like that the, um, the four-point near fall, I would be very curious to see if there's like a win percentage on someone who got a four-point near fall if that has went up since the three-point year fall, I feel like it widens the gap so quickly. And, you know, I was actually thinking about Spencer Lee and how many techs he gets. And so, essentially, he only needs um, – he could score 16 points with four turns, whereas, you know, if we go a few years back, he would only score 12 points with four turns. Maximum, obviously, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so – I think the four-point near fall has changed it. I don't really I don't really love it. I almost think it's, like, too fast and too much of a difference maker. Um, and I have to really see how the three-point takedown played out.
0: I would like to see um, – yeah, I don't mind the four-point near fall. I think there should be a three-point near fall. If two is two I mean, the and one, four is four, why is three not three?
2: Yeah. Um, one of the things that would be interesting here is if there would be some way to – uh, and, and this again, again goes into, I don't know if this is fair or not, but to alleviate the uh, escape point, right? So if, if I if I get a restart, I can choose to let them go and I don't give up the escape point. Like that would make takedowns count a whole lot more. But then again, it goes back to like, I don't know if that's really fair. Because what if you knew the guy was going to get out, so you just choose to let him go?
0: Yeah. Right, I I've, I I kind of have wavered on on escapes and stuff. I I just don't like how escapes keep the inferior neutral wrestler in in the match. But you but
2: you just made the point two questions ago that wrestling was about three positions, not one.
0: You're right, but
2: my you know point what the great matches hit- on this one we can just bring up. Um, and because it, Barnett versus Courtney. It was like 10 to 7, and and Courtney had five takedowns, I think, and Barnett had six escapes and a stall point.
0: Well, here's my point with it. It, It's like, why does, so one guy gets a scoring opportunity, an easy scoring opportunity because of their neutral deficiency that the better neutral wrestler does not get. So you're getting to add all these points just because you're getting taken down. But it's, you know what I'm but that's part of the
2: game, you have to be able like, by. And then but then you think conversely, someone like Spencer Lee and the damage that getting taken down by him creates, right? Because that's not a two point takedown. That's a four or six or eight or ten or f- freaking sixteen point takedown.
0: yeah, but he I mean right? right, sure, he's he's a he's an absolute exception to but so In- so it incentivizes
2: being good on top. So of someone like Brandon Courtney, um and I listen, I haven't watched him much past last weekend. But to me, he stinks on top. He can't ride anybody, right? So he's getting penalized for stinking on top.
0: No, I think I think you look at it that way. I look at it as the inferior neutral wrestler is getting rewarded with scoring opportunities. But that the then, other guy doesn't get.
2: You just said it, Christian. It's a, it's a three-position game. And if if you stink on top, then yes, all of your takedowns are going to be worth one point. Yeah, if you stink on top, your takedowns are literally worth one point, and that's it. All right. Well, you I guess saying?
0: Guess, yeah, I feel like I could just keep making my point And you just keep making your point.
2: I think I once. kind of, yeah, so, well, well, no, to disagree. Well, why are you not not Why are you not acknowledging that someone needs to be able to do you have to be good on top. And if you're good on top, just like Spencer Lee, your takedown is not only worth
0: two points. Your takedown is worth, uh, I would say Spencer's average takedown is probably worth eight to 12 points. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's just because it's so intuitive to say yes, if you're good, on neutral and top and bottom, it, that's that's the thing that all wrestlers should do. But yeah, I'm not, again, this, this is gonna be very circular. Uh, that's very obvious that if you're good on top, that that's good, right? But yeah, but why do I get to get away? Why do I get a point? Why do I get a point for getting taken down?
2: Well, cause it was, so what was the other option? Well, then it there, becomes a new anything?
3: position Yeah, and you, es- and, you, and you escape from that. Yeah, yeah, great. It becomes a new
2: position. Thank you. That, that's a good way to put it. I, I, and and if, if you're not good on bottom, you think, um, who's someone who stinks on bottom who can't get away from anybody? Um,
0: no one's coming to mind. Me. This,
2: this, me who? Me. Um, yeah. I mean, right. If you stink on bottom, then it's like, not like, hey, if you're great on bottom, the takedown is one point. If you stink on bottom, the takedown is like, you're two points and you're done for the rest of the period. Like, you yeah. are not getting away. Right in your face is grounded in the mat for the next two minutes. And um, actually, who was it? One of the Missouri guys was like, ah, who was it? It was like, oh my gosh, he was doing great. And then once he got on bottom, I was freaking, it was Noah Certain. He was up in the two matches he lost, he was up 4 0 and 6 0. And he got on bottom and he got rolled up. And it was like, dude, you. You stink on bottom. You have to be good on bottom. You have to be able to do all three positions, or there or there's consequences.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, that's somewhere
2: where that's somewhere where the guy who was a superior neutral wrestler lost both of those matches because he was insufficient on bottom.
0: And I, I, if you're insufficient on bottom because you get turned, I think that's that's what I want incentivized. I guess. Yeah. Turning, not just escaping.
3: I like it too because it could incentivize more action on the feet. Yes. You know, yeah. Not just the escape thing, but I think like we see more. I think we see more emphasis on top game because you get four points now if you turn a guy instead of three. Uh, I think this could incentivize guys to be more aggressive. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And it keeps people in the match. You know, it's yeah. There's these leads that aren't so unsurmountable now when you have that. Yes.
0: Uh, yeah you have to re-
1: rethink i kind of i want to see it in action because i have
2: to rethink it because right now you you have everything kind of strategically programmed based on the 2.1 point system and to rethink that <clears> so.
3: Didn't they test be, it out one year
2: yeah i don't know if they are
0: at the all-star they didn't i don't think they tested that out they tested out the neutral you could let them up after a takedown
2: Yes, and then uh, remember they that took happened. It and didn't let that
0: yeah, and then that was like 2014 All-Star.
2: Jaden awesome. Cox wrestled Scott, Scott Schiller. Scott Schiller,
0: now. yep. Schiller won. Yep. Um, okay, S- this is weird. Scott, stopping riding time when stalling is called on the offensive wrestler in the rear standing position. I kind of th- I kind of thought when a guy gets called for stalling, riding time stopped anyways. I think this is too like – I feel like you're not addressing the real problem uh, yeah. of like – there's just way too much stall riding going on top. And it just makes it even you know, more tricky. The thing that I saw resticle. this weekend, which
2: I actually yeah. liked, was the referees were kind of punishing the bottom person when the bottom person wasn't actually trying to escape. They would not call the top person for stalling, which I kind of liked that. I thought it was good. But the one, and I brought this up yesterday, the one that I can't stand, which I think should be called, called stalling immediately every single time you do it. If the top guy pushes the bottom guy out of bounds, stalling every
0: time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't like it either. Uh so I, I just think like when I see this, I'm I'm fast forwarding to a match that's going to happen where every single time this happens, the refs are gonna have to go back and look at it and uh-huh. get on the yeah. same page with the table workers. Table just,
3: workers aren't gonna stop it on time. That's gonna be yeah.
0: for good reason yeah. too. Yeah. That's very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um yep. so no, Throw I, it out. I, chuck it. If an illegal hold is used in an attempt to defend a successful takedown, reversal, or near fall situation, not stopping the match to award the penalty point, unless the referee believes the hold is dangerous and/or I'm so in for this. Okay, so let's give me a scenario where this where this happens, Ben. Like, a uh, where, like,
2: which match was last week? Someone did like a head scissors, and as the one guy was going for the takedown, right? Yeah. And the referee stopped and gave one point. And I, you know, I thought I don't recall which match it was. I thought a takedown was imminent. So you take, you
3: give the guy one point. Was it the Winslow Keegan of, match? It was Winslow versus Ethan Smith, no. I think. Okay. Winslow definitely I did. Win. Watched, but I didn't watch, I don't think I watched that one. Well, Winslow definitely watching. got called for uh legal head scissor. And Smith had him like on his hip, like working to finish. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember which match
2: it was. But anyways, um, yeah, like that, they should be able to continue to wrestle for a takedown there.
0: Who is – who? how do you hurt someone in an illegal head scissor?
1: Like
3: choke I don't out? know why that's – I don't know I mean, why I don't,
1: I don't know what the danger is there necessarily. Yeah, maybe you could
3: choke him out in theory. I don't think so.
1: Maybe there's some neck issues if there starts to be some – Screen, you can get your neck wrenched each other way man. I oh, feel like there's
3: so much neck
1: wrenching I Yeah, mean, if you can get the <laughs> freaking chin and yeah. turn it this way Justin yeah.
3: Kilgore used to rip people's heads off Yeah, yeah when completely. his nearside cradle well, I also remember yeah. Metcalf
1: like being on top pinning a guy and just extra cranking his chin. For, yeah. Yeah So if you can do that, no good point good point I mean, I it's, get... a, it's
2: kind of a, it's a stalling tactic like if I could scissors your head really hard uh, it it is very difficult to finish that head inside single leg when you lift. So, um, but as far as a uh, danger, I no, I don't, I don't see anything there.
0: Yeah, I don't either. Um, okay, so that's so you like that one? I think I, I like it too. Not. I think it's tough to call. I here here's the scenario I see. It's like okay, I'm in a shot. Let's say head scissors because maybe that's the easiest one. <clears> and I'm trying to finish, trying to finish, trying to finish. They call the one and then I don't get the finish. And it's like, let's say there's like 20 seconds to go. Do I just lose all that time where I tried to finish, where I could have got a a restart. And who is it up to? Is it up to the ref? Is it up to me? Because what if I say, no, no, illegal move. I want back up. I want a restart kind of thing. So I can see a scenario where it's trying to help, but it could hurt. And so who is it up to? And then that to me is just a little too nuanced. So I can see this getting a little complex. Yes. But I think spiritually I think I like it. Um Did you see the Real Woods one? Um Yeah. That was see, he tried the Which Kimura one? he tried the Kimura thing where he rolled oh, through almost like Schultz and rolled it through. A lot of people were really upset that it was called illegal. It's a very dangerous that is move. Very
2: dangerous. That should be called illegal every time.
0: Every single time. And there were a lot of people like it's wrestling and like someone was like, It's a no. great jujitsu move. I'm like, Yes. Yes.
2: Yeah, they could rip it, the shoulder out very easily.
0: Yeah, so it's like we know Dave Schultz used it. Now it's not legal. You cannot do that anymore, and because it's very dangerous.
2: Well, I didn't think it was legal, and Dave Schultz did it either.
0: Yeah, maybe I don't. I think it almost had to have been. Cause he was maybe at first, and then I think he they changed the, the rules. It. Yeah. Oh, he broke. Yeah, I'm so sure he broke several <laughs> arms. The mark, they were they were they were monsters. And I think they kind of like made it. Um, Oh, because I think this was what set up the, the all time quote. Um, I don't care if they perceive me as an element that is dangerous. I only care about winning, pinning, scoring points. Um, I think they maybe somewhat innovated that, and then it became. There's probably a historian that knows like the how that kind of came to be, but I think that was part of it. Um,
2: well, I think that was originally a Japanese jiu move. You know, Japanese jiu jitsu wasn't, there was no guard and stuff, from my understanding of it, it was more like on your feet and stuff
0: yeah so yeah very dangerous move should always be illegal. yeah
3: woods did that to carlson and almost pinned him off of it yeah and then i mean south dakota state immediately challenged and all the points were taken off the board
0: and it was funny because you know we're watching everything but we only saw it's like oh snap real woods has this guy on his back and then like they're challenging it was like whoa he lost all his points what happened and then we went back and saw i was like oh yeah super illegal move Uh um and then he ended up losing he did yes Okay. So that was a question. All right. Illegal. Okay, here we go. In the neutral position, awarding one match point to a wrestler when their opponent steps out of the competition circle with both feet. I'm in. Both feet. <laughs> I never thought I'd be there, but I'm in. He's there. I'm there. Let's go. If that's I mean, is that the perfect interpretation of the rule? I'm not sure. I would have I would have interpretation. Well well, not interpretation. Um so I would have been down for a couple of things. One, I don't know why two feet are necessary. Two, um, because I it's you could sort of easily like two or two up,
2: supporting points,
0: right? But I can see a scenario like you could be get that like Iranian stance and have a straight back leg, and you know it'd be a little tough to step you out. I think if you're stepping out, you're out. If you're out of bounds, you're out of bounds, kind of thing. Like and also like why it's like they're just trying to be different from freestyle so they can say it's not freestyle, but it would benefit USA wrestling. And I don't mean like you at the organization, I mean, people who met in America have like a similar rule. I think it'd be good. It's like one, one entire foot out. That's a good rule Two, I would have been okay with it not being a point, but just like an auto, it's an auto warning. Right. And
2: that's what they're saying here. Right.
0: No, because it's it's a point uh, every time. Whereas I would say oh, it's a sorry. one. I, I, I looked at the
2: next question: create a stalling signal for the neutral out of bounds call.
3: Yes. So, um, my bad. I just no. I think you're fine because it goes hand in hand. <clears throat> um, I just I don't know why you need a new stalling sequence if you're giving points out when they go out of bounds. Why do we need to? I mean, I guess yeah. you could still call them for stalling if it's like egregious. I feel like
2: no, because people would be stalled out so fast. There's definitely people who get stalled out of matches with with stalling plus out of bounds for sure.
3: Good, I mean, it'd be good. <laughs> well, I'm saying like okay, you're losing. Let's say you're losing by three. You're up by three. Ten seconds left. Guy just runs straight out of bounds. You can do one for push out him for stalling, but it doesn't have to be a stall call every single time they right. go out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because they're
0: yeah, okay. So you are kind of like
2: uh, you're you're likening the stalling to uh, like a caution in freestyle.
0: No, I think what he's saying is he likes it that it's just a point and not necessarily stalling.
3: Right. Um. Just like sometimes the action gets close yeah, to the yeah. edge and then the guy walks you out. You see in freestyle all the time, yeah. guys surrender. Yeah. It's like ah crap, I don't. I the guy got me. Jake like, D- Yanni did it to Frank. Frank wasn't stalling. He was in on a single leg.
0: Yeah. And, and yeah, Yanni. Well, the thing, I think Kyle's exactly right. It should not be stalling.
3: There just doesn't need to be edge. Like, now they have to either call stalling or action. Like, no, you just a point. If they they stall, they stall. Doesn't, no action or anything. Okay,
0: so I'm actually now, I've changed my mind. I'm now in on a point every time and it's not stalling. Point every time and it's not stalling. I love that. Um, I'm good with that. Um, I'm also good. I'm I'm good with. It also, as, it, it, I don't want to say it totally alleviates
2: stalling in the neutral position, but I would say the majority of the time, if someone's getting called from stalling in in neutral, you're getting you're getting pushed backwards, right? You're going backwards, or yeah. you're or you're not even getting pushed backwards. You're just evading action by by moving backwards. Right. Um, and if you're in a tie, right, and you're engaging, you're very rarely getting called for stalling.
0: Right, right.
2: So it almost alleviates neutral stalling. Um, not saying that it won't happen, but I'm saying it does make it significantly more difficult.
0: Yes. Um, so I've I've now changed my my mind.
3: I think it should just be a straight one because it's not. You're not necessarily stalling when you go out of balance in, in freestyle. And I guess the other big question is like. Is there like a grounded type rule? Like, let's say someone gets in on a head inside single. don't Don't even say it. Well, no, like, let's say someone gets in on a head inside single. They're both in bounds, And you know how you're kind of working to finish, and it scoots the other guy that was sprawling, like his one foot out of bounds. But then he, like Sammy Sasso, sits a corner cradle, but both his feet went out. Like, do they let him work for the finish? Or because his feet went out, is that automatically a point, and you stop it?
2: I think it's something where it's like two supporting points. Something to that effect. But so, you don't
3: let them wrestle? Because that's what we also like about college wrestling is you can continue to wrestle well, with like a I, fingernail in. I don't think you in. can have it
2: both ways.
3: Yeah, I think there is a continuation element that,
0: that's possible like in freestyle. But now right? people
2: will be staying more in the center because they're realizing that the edge is a point penalty, right? Yeah, well, you would think so. so. you can see as much of that. Potentially. Hey, you know what my other least favorite sequence is that's so annoying uh, in folk style is when bottom man is out of bounds, top man is in bounds, but they just have like their foot in. And to every dumb wrestling fan, if the bottom guy crawls out, they they're like, "Boo, he's crawling out of bounds." But the second that the bottom guy does something good, the top guy just pulls his foot out of bounds. So yeah. essentially the bottom guy does have to crawl out of bounds too. I saw like, give multiple guys
3: chance. this weekend. Like the guy on bottom is just like in referee's position, and the top guy is just like they're yeah. doing the splits, just like holding on, just to keep that toe in for an so extra dumb. five seconds. Yeah. Yeah. I saw one guy the take rep, somebody else's hand. And, and the, put the ref it just out of- lets them do that. It's like mm-hmm. clearly there's no action going on here. Like, just call him out and let's go back. Call them out. Yeah. yeah. What did you observe? Bear? Somebody took
0: <laughs>
1: hit, uh, <laughs> the opponent's hand on bottom and literally kept it in bounds as he was riding him on top, so they would still be in bounds.
0: That's control. Uh, okay. So b- most interesting is that this is just in the rules, or that this is being talked about. So step out <clears throat> is being discussed, and I love it. This is also a great one. Bear, Listen. If this all happens, it's going to be Let's good. There's it. some really good stuff. Allowing a wrestler to weigh in one weight class above their previous competition and then returning to the lower class without utilizing a weight loss descent plan. If a wrestler weighs in two weight classes above previous competition, then they are required to utilize a weight loss descent plan to recur- yes. return. Yes, this it. is so obvious, Christian. This so, is so
2: obvious. Dumbass. So obvious. Freaking do it.
0: So what? what is happening now is you're seeing forfeits because – Let's say I've got, just for the sake of an argument, Nick Lee and Bo Bartlett. And I've got um, maybe, maybe that's not the best
3: example. We've got. Well, so a good example, I think, you is what Michigan was doing days, this year. Yeah, Michigan. Yes. So, like, I know early in the year, Raggason and Medley were both weighing in at 125, even though one of them would wrestle 133. And then later in the year, Raggason was wrestling 133, but, like, staying below. 129. Right. Is weighing in. Staying below his weight descent so he could get back down to 125 that week if he wanted to.
0: And and now they're they're lucky they were even able to do that, right? because a lot of times it's like he the guy can't weigh in at that weight. And it's it's a joke. And um, what it does is it just causes forfeits. And the thing is the big joke of it is the descent plan, because you can only descend like one point five percent a week, which is so crazy because, because
2: of the fluctuation of hydration. It's so, I mean, most wrestlers lose six to eight pounds in the course of a practice. Yeah. So the
0: notion that you can't move up and down a few pounds is absurd. It, it is absurd. And it's like the NCAA and every wrestling coach in America knows that that 1.5 is being messed with multiple times a week. Yeah, They're yeah, losing 1.5%. And the idea that it can only happen, a, uh, you know, one time a week is is crazy. So get rid of that. Get rid of it. Um, I I love this rule. It's great. It's just common sense, and it's time for it. It's past time for it. And uh, you vote against it, you're an idiot. I just have to say that. Uh, It makes no sense. Or I'm an idiot, and I don't understand the reason. We want your name, and we're going to roast you on the show. Roast you. Boom, roasted. Allowing a two-hour weigh-in on each day of multi-day tournaments. How does it work right now? One, I, hour,
2: think, I think it's one hour on the first day or maybe one hour on the second day. I don't recall. Well, I, think, I don't see the issue. Two hours, one hour, not a huge difference. I think it makes it easier for tournaments.
3: Do it. I think it just depends on the tournament. Um, I don't think there's like a set rule. It's just saying that you, I don't know. Maybe there is a set rule. Long a tour away on each day of multi-day tournaments. Cause I feel like, uh, I feel like like Friday morning of NCAAs, like before quarters is one hour weigh-in.
0: Yes, I think that's right. I think you're right. Um, So yeah, I'm all in for uh, two hour weigh-ins. That's fine with me. Here we go. Now you're in my- This this one's so obvious too, Christian. You're in my real wheelhouse now. Let's go. Allowing wrestlers to use saunas except for the 24 hour period prior to a weigh-in for any NCAA competition. Yes, yes, yes. Obvious. So obvious the sauna thing is so crazy to me i mean it is so you can't use a sauna it's so dumb i mean it's preposterous and then you know these guys have to act like they don't use it so now the wrestlers have to basically lie and pretend that you know they're all the many of these teams have saunas in their locker rooms it's 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 used frequently and the idea that they're not allowed is it's so silly it's not scientific. No, they should not be used for for weight cutting. But there's a lot of things that are fine that, when used for weight cutting, are bad. Like I don't know. There's a variety of things. Um. So I. Yeah. Think- I mean, any any manner in which
2: you significantly dehydrate yourself is dangerous to you. There's no doubt about that.
0: Yes. No. No question at all. But
2: most of the time, I would say, and like for me, I don't even like using saunas for weight cutting. I just don't. I don't think they're for me, they're not super efficient. Um, so I yeah, I don't see the issue here at all. I think a lot of guys just, they want to go sit in the sauna for 15 minutes after their workout cause it feels great and they want to stretch a little bit and they're not allowed to. It's so dumb.
0: Okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, so let's keep, let's finish these rules and then, then we'll bring our, then we'll bring our guest on after, after these rules. Um, so next one is when weight certifications are conducted prior to the first day of practice making the use of asana illegal beginning on the day a wrestler is conducting their weight certification currently use of asana is prohibited beginning the first day of practice so can you translate this Bracky?
3: i don't know if
0: like
2: well i'm so- confused because it's worded very strangely
3: <laughs> yeah um when we start, let me just read it again <laughs> We start. um so okay so I if you do weight certification
2: certification in like september and the practice starts in october they're saying you wouldn't be able to use it starting in september which we just said stupid and you should be able to use it whenever you well, want well you
3: wouldn't be no, they're saying um beginning yeah okay yeah beginning the day that you do certification so if you do certification september 25th practice starts october 10th it would be illegal from that point on Well, we don't want it to be illegal at all right dang so this is
0: like expanding the restriction this could yeah, and then so like completely reducing
3: yeah either get rid
1: of it or let's yeah. make it even more strict
3: yeah okay no. so
1: i don't like that one so vote no all out on that
3: yeah i think that one uh, they could have worded it better but i feel like it's put in there to try to not allow guys to use the as a sauna to be certified at a certain weight
0: gotcha Yeah. yeah.
3: All right, uh, two more questions.
0: Requiring a mandatory drop down count on the offensive wrestler when they have a crossbody ride and grab the far ankle. I didn't know this was a problem.
4: I don't think we need more
0: counts.
2: I don't know why they didn't put ankle rides in here because everyone's freaking up in arms about ankle rides. That's the one they (laughs) they should put in there.
0: Yeah, it's it. Ankle rides can be bad. Um, The
2: hard part about it is, um, and this is the, the mandatory thing. The hard part about it is like there are people not a lot but there are people who use an ankle ride offensively and so then to then say you can no longer use this effective hold because other people are using it for stalling is so incredibly annoying
0: well my thing is like when i think cross body and grab the far ankle that's like a very quality setup for a cradle too right i mean isn't that how a lot of guys you can get the guy to step up from there um,
2: um, I'm pretty Evan sure Wick loves that position well I think I mean I, I think it's kind of hard to cradle there but the, some, certain people do that are like Evan Wick does for example is really long
0: I think good cradlers can you know maybe maybe it was tough yeah. for you Ben but um some some others have found a way
2: I was I think you know I think I I would cradle from a leg in and quad pod but never from the base and I think it was just I just didn't have the hip flexibility to get over there uh... Evan's really good there Tristan's really good there um actually they did they did a leg riding camp at one of the academies and I, I I probably, if it wasn't them showing it, I probably would have said this is garbage. Don't listen to these guys, <laughs> my kids. But uh, I watched thoroughly the way they explained it, and there's a couple moves, and I, re- I really liked them.
0: Okay, so I don't I don't think we need to count. That's not the problem position in my opinion for top wrestling. So I think it's fine. So you can vote no on that one, coaches. All right, last one. Changing the control of mat violation penalty to when an institutional coach or staff member receives a control mat violation during a match, the opposing team's wrestler is given the choice of position. It's this no is bad. so it's stupid. Chance, right? I haven't read this one till right now. It's the worst one. So basically,
3: what there's so because so let's talk, say
0: let's say <laughs>
3: this is so dumb. I Who think wrote they, this? I think uh, the Iowa but they, be,
2: but they should have better penalties for the coaches being dipshits for
3: sure. What do you mean better penalties? They need to throw them they out. Need, yeah, you get your one you get your yeah, need to kick them it's out. Like, We've talked about that. Right. You tee them up. Yeah. Next one, you're gone. Yeah.
2: I don't I, remember what match it was. Some coaches being insane, and there, there's just like no penalty for it.
0: Well, it's there's, like, a, there's a huge guys, penalty they need potentially. they to start acting right. They need to act right. Well, um, the thing is, they do take team points, and that to me is crazy. That's yeah. like an overreaction. But I think what they're trying to do is, like, how can we replicate the technical foul? Everyone feels good about the technical foul in yeah. basketball. So let's give them – what would be the equivalent of a free throw? <laughs> oh, we'll give
3: them choice. But, like, because – what? Yeah. Why yeah. would you punish, we'll just say Spencer Lee, uh, because did of something his coaches did?
0: Strip? Yeah, so now I might lose a match and potentially a seed and everything that goes with – I mean – Imagine that impacting the NCAA finals. Imagine if if so K- Kale said something to the uh, ref Kale ain't in, do it. It in could the, be Kale. in the, that's why I used him as an example. Or he proposed. stepped or he, he stepped
3: one. Well, this is controlling Matt. So if he stepped out of the box with one well, foot was it John or whatever, Smith spent the whole weekend out of the box. Well, yeah, they all did. exactly I was never in the box. So <laughs> then that would give uh, Roman
0: extra choice or something like that. That is insane. That is absurd. Yeah.
2: They just, I don't, it might even be like a fine, right? At this level, like a John Smith is big enough money where you can fine him, right? Um, maybe not all coaches are, uh, or maybe you maybe it's of kick them out, but- No, just kick them out. You know, kick them out. But yes, I, I, as, a, as a spectator to the NCAA tournament, it's absurd how some of these coaches act. It, it, they're ridiculous
0: yeah i i think i think they should be ejected i think it'd be i
3: mean it's kind of like it's awesome Imagine the listen, it wouldn't
2: happen
0: that much because once it actually started
2: happening and, and coaches realized okay there's actually consequences to my action they would stop being dipshits
3: yeah yeah i mean in in football there's like pretty much no coach ejections and in basketball there's maybe like one to two a year like it's not really like you'll see technicals um i does, want it baseball style getting, You give them a technical, and next one, they're gone. I want a baseball style where the... the coaches are kicking <laughs>
1: dirt on the ump's feet. Yeah, you know, like Tom Brand
0: starts fits.
3: rolling up the mat.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's like, you know yep, yep, i
1: throwing rolling the, it up." Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh, I love it. Throwing the coaches' know. chairs, taking here. the ankle bands. St- taking the ankle bands. Yeah, yep. Oh, okay. I'm going. i taking my ankle bands with me. He unstraps the
3: anklet from the heavyweights' uh, singlet strap. Yeah, yeah. Unstraps <laughs> under Bobby Knight. Throws the yep. coaches' chair on the middle of the mat.
0: Unplugs the scoreboard. He just takes it with him under his arm. I'm taking my ball with me. I'm taking it. Score yourself. I would love it. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of things you can do. No, but seriously,
1: seriously, they should do
2: something for real.
0: I get up, basically every morning. I get up and Caleb's downstairs watching baseball YouTube, and it's almost always like ejection videos. It's yeah. <laughs> just lot <watching> that. <laughs> uh, have you showed
3: him the jackpot one. um Oh, Oh, I don't know if
0: I have. I got to show him that one. He's probably seen it now that that I think about it. Well, hey, we we have a guest on. Um, Maybe we'll we'll circle back to these. But Bracky, introduce our guest.
3: We got Joseph Hines here. um, And he he reached out to me uh, shortly after uh, FRL yesterday. And um, he deals with ACLs and uh, the rehabbing of them and can go a lot more in detail about them. Uh, and Ben had a lot of questions. So many um, questions. And I'm sure you, you listened yesterday and heard those. So um, uh, maybe give us a little bit of background of, of what you do every day and uh, like what you see on, on a daily basis.
4: Yeah, for sure. So a little bit of introduction here. I'm in my third year of physical therapy school. So I'll be graduating with my doctorate in about two months here. Right now nice. I'm completing my last clinical rotation at the Sanford Power Center in Fargo, North Dakota. And we are pretty much the main go-to for ACL rehab in the area. And so we see people right, at, right after injury all the way to return to sport. And that's really what we're dealing with. Um, most, like 90% of people in the US elect to have the reconstructive surgery in order to return to sport. But that's not always the case, so we can get into that a little bit more if, that, if that's what you guys are looking for.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I guess why, why would someone elect not to do the reconstructive surgery? And so obviously I understand in a short period of time, like you know, I brought up Spencer Lee, he tore one ACL at Big Tens two weeks ago. But then the other one he said, you guys said he tore against Jack Mueller, which was like two and a half years ago. He didn't even compete that offseason. Why wouldn't he have gotten that
4: fixed? Um, so anytime you get hurt, your body's going to heal and get better to -hmm. some extent. With the ACL, it provides a great deal of stability to the knee. However, the presentation of the injury after you tear it is going to be different, varying based on individual characteristics, mainly based on hamstring strength. So if you've got really strong hamstrings, you're much less likely to have severe symptoms after the injury. So the biggest thing, what we call an ACL coper, so they can cope with not having an ACL. If they have really strong hamstrings and walking around doing their sporting activities, their knee isn't unstable and it isn't giving out, there is the benefit of not having to go through that whole nine-month rehab process to get back to sport. They can just keep rolling if they're able to get and stay really strong and not have those symptoms of instability. So how
2: long, how long does it take someone they get hurt and they're, they're a coper. And so we talked about Marinelli, Kirkley, Spencer, I don't know if there's someone else you guys brought up. Um, How long does it take them after initial injury to be kind of like, okay, to start trying to wrestle, compete again?
4: Well, what we saw with Spencer is that he went right back into it. He maybe practiced that week leading up to NCAA's, maybe didn't. But in this, in our sport, it's a—it's really what you can tolerate. If you can tolerate that knee being maybe a little bit more unstable, a little bit less functional, you can get back to it because that ACL is torn and it's gone and it's not coming back. So there's not really anything you're going to make worse regarding the ACL and you're more than likely going to have surgery anyway. So if you aren't in a sport that requires cutting high speed transitions, um, like football or basketball, Mm -hmm. you can really just go to your own tolerance.
0: Where would you see the main limitations in a wrestling match, um, if you, if you have no ACLs, what are, what are the areas? And could you see anything in Spencer's wrestling? Be like, okay, this makes sense that this is not happening because I'm sure you're a wrestling fan. You've watched Spencer Lee wrestle relatively healthy versus what we saw at the NCAAs.
4: Yeah, the biggest the biggest point where it stood out to me was in the finals. When you have a knee injury, you get swelling in your knee capsule. And because of that, there's this weird reflex inhibition of the quadriceps. So your quads extend your knee, flex your hip, and when that quad isn't working at 100%, which it's not after an ACL injury because of the nervous system input, those two are related, your quad and your ACL. So when he got snapped down to his belly with by Courtney in that first period, I was like, this is, this is a guy who's compromised because normally you get snapped, you would react, you down block, but he just didn't have that Quick reaction time with the knee, so I guess that was the biggest thing that stood, that stood out to me. And other than that, he did generally didn't look like he was having fun out there like he normally does. He just didn't look didn't look the same to me. Man, yeah. that's and interesting because one...
0: well, the snap was the moment where I remember we were watching together. We we're like, H-. he snapped him on his face. I don't know if I've ever seen that with Spencer, Never. and that does make sense now that you mention it.
2: So, what about like, uh, so you know, a Marinelli or a Kirkley or a Spencer? These guys who haven't. Um, so, would you just assume, or would you advise? I guess if you're in the position for them, just to never get it done until it really bugs them. If that's five years or eight years or ten years, and then when it bugs them, then they get it done. Well,
4: I've had I've had a I had a coach who had had none. Um, he had no ACLs, and he was just rolling with it. And if you stay strong, you shouldn't should be able to i mean i guess what i'll say is you're going to have your most difficulties during athletics because that's the highest level activity you're going to do especially competing at a high level d1 world level after afterwards um and i guess the biggest consideration is arthritis but you can Mm -hmm. develop arthritis whether or not you have the surgery and it just comes along with that disruption of that knee tissue. So down the road, more than likely, those guys are gonna have troubles with arthritis, but that doesn't necessarily depend on if they're gonna have a surgery. And right now is the time in their lives that they are really under the most strain and they're at the highest physical level that they'll yeah. conceivably ever be. Yeah. So it's, I mean, really they would consult with their surgeon and their medical staff and it really is up to the individual. And once they're done with wrestling, they don't necessarily need to get it fixed unless they're not having problem, or unless they're having problems.
2: So the arthritis could develop whether they get the ACL fixed or not ACL fixed doesn't matter. Yeah, for sure.
0: So mm-hmm. a, a question I have is how much tougher is it? Because you know we had David McFadden on during the watch party. He tore his ACL in I think the first match of his uh, NCAA tournament as a true freshman he ended up mm-hmm. wrestling back for fifth or sixth or something. So, it's something that routinely happens. We're seeing guys not get it fixed. How much tougher yeah, it is it one uh, wrestling with one ACL and zero ACLs? What's the big difference there? Have you ever have you ever heard of that?
4: Yeah. I help so I wrestled 4 years at Concordia College. It's a D3 school up in Moorhead, Minnesota. And we had an interesting kind of case study on this. We recruited a kid named Ben Bogart out of Alexandria, Minnesota. And in high school, he was wrestling Clay Carlson from the, at that time, Wilmer Cardinals, but now All-American for SDSU. And he tore one ACL. Um, He's a senior in high school. He continued on through. So he wrestled on one ACL. At the state tournament, he got into a compromising position with his other knee and tore his other ACL. And so in preparation for this I talked to him this morning to get his timeline and some of his feedback with that so he originally tore his left ACL tore his right four weeks later at the state tournament and so then eight weeks after the state tournament he had surgery on the most recent injury and another six weeks later he had surgery on the second injury he was back on the mat in February of the following year, and he said it was not, not good. Like he, he wasn't able to do the things he wanted to do. Um, but as to your question about, and sorry, I'll finish my story. Um, ben ended up wrestling all all four of his years for us. He ended had another ACL injury and mm. rehabbed it and came back from it. Um, so he finished his college career and reached reached some of his goals, not all of his goals, but so as a wrestling with one versus two versus none, it depends on how they present because in the case of Spencer's ACL that he tore against Jack Mueller, I would assume, and I'm not privy to the details of his medical history, but I would assume that that one rehabbed fairly successfully because he looked great this year, right?
3: Yeah. And
4: so at the point that he's been wrestling with that for a year, if not two years, depending on how much mat time he had. That one probably wasn't affecting him hardly at all, especially when he's a guy who doesn't give up a lot of points, doesn't get taken down a lot. That one probably wasn't bothering him. But the acuteness and the recency of that second ACL was really what affected him this past week. And then we saw that just with his quad probably wasn't firing as good as it possibly could. His balance wasn't quite what it could be and he was just wrestling in a compromised state so given time I I know that you guys are speculating on how he'll look at the trials will he compete at the trials he will in my opinion look better at the trials than he did at NCAAs because he's going to have a little bit more time to train and get used to or train from a rehab standpoint Mm -hmm. to restore some of that function to his leg and just get it as good as he can where he maybe couldn't do that in the lead up to NCAAs. So it really just depends on how strong he is from a baseline, which we can assume based on what he does to guys yeah. on the mat that he's a very strong individual.
2: Incredibly so strong. I
4: would say that he he has that in his favor going forward. Is,
3: um, if you get an ACL rep- repaired through surgery, is it more likely to tear moving forward like is that a reason maybe why these guys aren't getting their knees fixed because i feel like if someone tears an acl um you almost a lot of times these athletes they have another knee injury so is it more susceptible once it tears and that's maybe why they're not getting it fixed
4: so if you don't fix your acl it can't tear again that goes yeah. without saying <laughs> um, but I looked at some of the literature on that, and going forward, if you have an ACL reconstruction, you want to wait ideally nine months to get back to high-level competition. And the reason for that is that you take um, – I've got a knee model here. So you take nice. this patellar tendon. Um, yeah, there you camera? go. There. So you, what they, general, they generally do, they take a portion of this patellar tendon right here, and they insert it via bony plugs so they take a little bit of your kneecap and a little bit of where it connects down here in your tibia and they plug that in to the inside of your knee and that becomes your new ACL
2: Hmm.
4: so that's how they do that but they fully remove that from the body and it disrupts the blood supply to the ligament when you Hmm. do that you have to undergo this whole process called ligamentization where that, lig- that transplanted ligament has to heal and mature and gain the strength required to function and act and as and be your ACL. So that is truly a 9 to 18 month process for that ligament to become, to reach its strength potential. So anytime you head back to competition earlier than that, you're at a higher risk for a retear. That being said, um, in literature review, they looked at a bunch of people who had torn ACLs and looked at them like two years after the fact and of the, of the re-injuries that they had, it, there were twice as many re-injuries on the opposite leg as there were on the original leg. Mm. And so what that says to me is that you some people are just predisposed to be more likely to tear an ACL. And a predictive factor for that would be if you tear one, you're fairly likely to be in that class that's susceptible to it, and you could potentially tear the other one. Hmm. Makes sense. Very interesting. The, the other thing
3: I had real quick is, um, you know, when you talk to somebody outside of wrestling, it's like they can't understand how people can compete with torn ACLs because in every other mainstream sport, it's a season-ender. <sighs> Yeah. Um, then oftentimes they're like carted off. And I mean, like Yanni, yeah. a few years ago, he, at, he tore yeah. his ACL against Dean Heil. He took injury time and then came back, finished the match and won an NCAA title. Uh, how yeah. is it, how are these wrestlers able to do this? Um, is it just because like you were, you kind of mentioned earlier, there's less cutting and like quick movements.
4: Yeah. The demands of our sport are totally different because, in the high profile sports where you hear about acl tears nba nfl um, that's what they're doing they're running full speed these are huge dudes so there is with the increased size and speed there's more forces going through that knee so it's just less likely to be able to compensate and have that strength at those high velocities and with those higher forces so we have a lot of positions and if you're a really good wrestler you can like hide hide your weaknesses to a point. Um, so Spencer, as an example, because that's really what's fresh in all of our minds, is he didn't look good on his feet. But when he got on top, you don't use your ACL or you don't use your knee in a position that's dependent on the ACL very much at all. So we have the ability in as wrestlers to adapt, kind of adapt a style in which you can protect a compromise joint whereas if you're a running back you have to run and you have to cut and there's just no way around that and so that's how oftentimes you see guys like yanni guys like spencer able to just kind of work around that impairment
0: man this is all all fascinating ben do you have, yeah. do you have any more questions for, for no that's good
4: i think i think he is. I,
2: you know, I think we need to use the term ACL copers a little more often. No, yeah, before. copers.
0: <laughs> this
3: is great. ACL copers. Speaking of copers, we all and uh, we always see them with the huge brace. You know, like Wyatt Sheets had one, yeah. and Marinelli a lot of times, and even Spencer.
4: How does that help? So, after surgery, the bracing isn't truly necessary. You'll see most physicians will recommend to stay in a brace for about a year after your return to sport so ends up being like a two-year process of finally getting discharged from the brace but the idea behind those braces is while you have the injury it should give some external stability and it's also a mental thing it's also peace of mind that your knee isn't just going to be basically all over the place um, stability wise and so that's why you see those guys brace up it's it's a protective thing but it's debatable whether it actually provides that much stability so yeah. if you're at if you're a coach and you're athlete or if you're a coach or an athletic trainer and that's what gives your athlete the peace of mind to be able to go out there and compete 100 that's that's what you're doing but if you're a guy who feels like maybe you don't want to draw attention to that injured limb you can compete without it, as we saw Spencer do this weekend.
0: Yeah. What's interesting is with Spencer, we've seen him go with it and without it. He kind of mm-hmm. alternates. Do you think that's just kind of yeah. how he feels that day, or his comfort level, or what? Would there be any reason to like have it and then not have it? Because like he wore nothing at, in the finals, right? He just, he had, just two, had sleeves. Two sleeves, yeah. but at different points of the tournament, he definitely wore the brace, right? Pretty sure. Yeah.
4: So what, what would? Yeah. And be? I, I've been I've been wondering about that personally because I saw. I think last year he wasn't wearing it a ton but he would wear it sometimes and you would it would be a question for him but it's probably partially a peace of mind thing how he, how he's feeling did it get unstable and cave in on him when he was walking off the mat is it flared up is it swollen because with injury you get swelling and if you don't give it time to recover and kind of reduce that swelling then it's going to persist and it's going to be annoying and your knee going to be in pain basically but yeah and i think you guys brought up a good point yesterday when you said that it's not allowed to wear that brace in freestyle so maybe it's a test run. maybe he's in the finals presumably he's got the highest level of competition that he's going to get at that tournament so maybe he wants to see how it goes without the brace
0: very cool well hey joseph this was awesome i feel like uh This is the most talked about knee in like wrestling (laughs) history, but I feel like we're going to have injury questions moving forward. Maybe uh, if you're, it would be interested. It would be cool to have you on again. is because I think wrestlers will continue to get hurt.
4: Absolutely. I I think you're right. We can call it injury hour. Uh, Injury hour. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Injury
2: power hour.
0: Power Hour. Well, Joseph, uh, good. best of luck to you. I'm sure you, uh, you're ready to go get jobs. Someone uh, hire this guy. He's going to help you a lot. I can tell you're, you're very, uh, super knowledgeable. So thanks for, for uh, giving your knowledge to us and, and our listeners. It's, Thank you. That was awesome. They're very curious. So. Thanks,
4: Joe. Yeah, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This was awesome. Absolutely.
0: Thanks, Joseph. Have a good day. There it yeah. is. Joseph Hines. We learned a lot. That was great.
2: That was great. That was that was really informative. And now that we we start talking about this, there's way more ACLs than we thought. I mean, we brought up Yanni, Yanni. Um Who else did you guys bring up on there that I totally forgot? Well, about? Manally, oh, Marinelli, McFadden.
0: For sure. McFadden heard it. at, yep. at, at, at NCAA. it at A lot. Yeah, it was. It it does happen a lot. Um, but yeah, it, it's so funny because the the moment that stood out the most to us was Spencer getting snapped. Yeah. It's like, man, and you you kind of think it's about- It's like he
2: didn't want to step one foot forward and brace with, you know, because that's what you would probably do is bring up one of the feet forward and brace, and he didn't want to do that. And what Joe said, he was, uh, I can't remember the terminology he used.
0: Yeah, part of me assumed when that happened, when he got snapped, I was like, that probably has something to do with the injury, but I don't know why. Like, why would it, you know, um yeah. why would a torn a, another torn ACL have to do yeah, that but a uh, very very informative uh, the chat seemed to really like it John Kozak said that he could be our official medical consultant
1: I think uh
2: I think there's a good idea we should we need an official medical consultant
3: yeah
1: yeah I love it he broke out the knee model and everything he had the knee developed. model that yeah. was, that was great. so cool yeah
0: yeah he
3: was, that he was, cool. was good it's cool, it's cool comes from wrestling background too so he understands some of these positions better than yeah someone a doctor or physical therapist that has never wrestled because a, n-
0: a normal one you may see that snap and not understand why that right. happened or uh,
3: so yeah that's uh, that's, uh I, it was cool. interesting too that he said that hamstrings could play a big role yeah. in um in this and uh Spencer does have some big legs he does He's like kind
0: of his upper body's not huge. He doesn't look like a bodybuilder, but his legs are
2: his upper body is strong, though. I, oh my gosh, he it's ridiculous. That, the way he grabs people is absurd.
0: Well, we talked about his position. He almost did that thing that he did to Nato, where like he's just like in the over under kind of front oh, headlock. That's... And he almost yeah. he whipped over Nato from there. He wasn't able to do it to Courtney, but the fact that he's able to like lift guys from up his from, the, from his knees is insane. Yeah. It's insane. Probably if he had both knees, for whatever reason, it, might, it may have even worked in that position. Um yeah. He's – yeah. So Spencer's, Spencer's a freak. It's encouraging to hear that he could be – you know, he'll be a little better by trials, yeah. right? That so he could, I guess I
2: always I assumed, and I didn't even realize he'd get the Jack Mueller fix. I guess I'd heard about Marinelli wrestling with it. I, I guess I just assumed that you had to get them fixed. So he doesn't necessarily have to. Um, he can – uh you know if he performs well enough at the trials then he could just probably take a couple weeks off and then wrestle you know train and wrestle for the olympics
0: yeah i if if he does make the team i I assume that would be the case he obviously won't get surgery um yeah yeah, totally (laughs) it's a weird thing man it's a it's a weird thing and i've never heard of someone having two torn acls and wrestling with it his example was a guy that had both operated on and then he was kind of never quite the same Same, Yeah.
2: Um, well, you know, it was funny cause he said he wrestled with, didn't he say he had wrestled with them kind of like during that high school season. And then he said once he had them operated on, he was never the same at all yeah. after that.
0: Yeah. So yeah. you can understand why maybe they're like, yeah, maybe don't get it operated on Greg Kirkfleet, I bet he has strong hamstrings. If I had to guess, no, yes, no way. <laughs> okay, man, I really thought we were going to talk about more NCAs. It's already nine twenty-seven. Um, sure but we the rules you know, thing was
2: good, though. I like I like that. There's a lot of oh, good, yeah. There's a couple stupid suggestions there, but there's mostly really good suggestions in
0: there. They're on the right track. The question is, can they get the good ideas across the finish line? Because that's what uh, yeah. that's what I really want to see. You Peace know what? Out.
2: One that's just like was is so obvious that I, and who knows? I don't. I don't know how it went for that many years, but the fact that every wrestler had to be clean shaven and have short hair.
0: Yeah. It's like how did that go how did that go on for so long? I don't know. I don't nonsense. Yeah, I remember some weird yeah, it's it's strange. Um but yeah, I mean for me the step out is the biggest game changer potentially. I think sauna's is the easiest one to do. It's just a no brainer. Um and also, okay, uh, and one. the wave
2: the weight bump up is a really easy one
0: also, Christian. Yes, that's a no-brainer too. That's a super easy one. The other thing with the sauna mm-hmm. is it I think it it will make saunas used more safely than they are right now. Because now what you have there's nothing stopping guys from freaking okay, I'll either sneak in and do it without coach's supervision or I'll get a gym membership somewhere and just use that sauna without coach's supervision. And now, al- also as part of the program.
3: Yeah. Also, all you've known before is probably just cutting weight in one. You don't yeah. know like how to use one um, to benefit yeah. you. And you see it with uh, nutrition when kids get on campus all the time. Like that's something they learn about because um, a lot of them cut weight the wrong ways and weren't feeling their bodies, right? And then they get on campus, they do it right because they're educated on it. So you can yeah. educate them on this as well.
0: But said you have to pretend that they're not using the sauna when they, you know they are. And how many teams yeah. have guys using saunas? I would, bet, I would bet at minimum 50% of NCAA wrestlers this year use the sauna during the season, just at yes. minimum. Yes. And it's probably higher. So yes. you're just going to make it safer. Uh, and the other thing, I mean, I don't want to say,
2: I don't want to be totally naive, but – the amount of kids cutting really large amounts of weights for college seasons right now versus what it was 20 years ago, uh, is vastly different. I mean, and I think the biggest driver of that is the one hour weigh-in. You really can't cut a bunch of weight and be good one hour later. And you see a few kids try to do it every year. And it's just like when that kid's cutting too much weight and he wrestles a one hour weigh-in, you see like, Hey, he sucks.
0: Yes. Yes. I like the, um, yeah, I think the hour way in is, is important, is still an important thing. Um do do you ever think Matt side would ever happen? I, I would be in favor of it, but no, I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah. yeah. Um I used to think logistically. It would be sort it would be kinda sweet though. Yeah. You know? <laughs> It'd be kinda sweet. Hey, so one one of the things I wanna talk about, um, were some of like the turnaround teams from down conference weeks to um on the upswing for NCAAs and there were some like with regression in that in that same kind of the opposite scenario but like for me the four biggest but I may have missed some were Oklahoma State Stanford Ohio State and and Pitt Pitt finished ahead of Virginia Tech and UNC and they were behind both of them at well um, the hard part about that
2: Christian I would say is that the the point scoring mechanisms for doing conferences and nationals are completely structured differently Especially in a conference that's not the Big Ten. Um, you know, it, it's more about like, uh, you know, say a, a Missouri, every one of their guys is going to be top two or top three at max, and yet they're only going to have three All Americans. And so the, the point structure is, is way, way different. Um, same thing with the ACC. You know, obviously, obviously everybody's going to be top six because there's only six teams. And so, but someone who scores uh an NCAA finalist points like a Jake Wentzel or Nino Bonacorsi, that's equivalent to like seven dudes doing just like round of twelve work with a mm-hmm. bonus.
0: Yep, true. But you know, so- someone like Nino was not expected to make the finals and he did and Wensel was not Did he, went, he won ACCs, right?
3: Yeah, but the be- I mean the best guy he beat was J.I.L.O. Yeah. You know?
0: And sure. th- that is a good sure. point, man. but like so- a team like Ohio State, which was ninth at Big Tens, was ninth at NCAAs. That's pretty crazy. Um, well, let's see who, I mean,
2: but th- think about, well, I guess um Orndorff wrestled above seed, um, but you know, like, like a Sasso, a Sasso's national finalist points are, are not gonna be the same as a big 10 finalist points, right? They're gonna have yeah. a significantly different amount of uh, weight or impact. Um, yeah. So I, I think you see that all the time where, uh, well, let me find a team on here. I'm sure there's someone in here that has like, uh one or two well like Cal Poly made top 25 with essentially one athlete Bernie Trout scoring a very high majority of those points right. his points at Pac-12s are going to be I don't want to say negligible but you're going to need Not a enough. whole bunch of guys doing well
0: right you know what I'm saying yeah a, a team that really kind of right. fell off was um what was Nebraska who of their I think they had nine qualifiers only two wrestled at or above their seed. Um, you had Lovett, who seeded fifth round of 24. You had a, a two-seed round of 16 with Schultz, and you had an eight-seed round of 12. Um, they were yeah. third at Big Tens, had a really strong performance, and they finished behind Iowa, Penn State, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State, Northwestern, um, who are all Big yeah. Ten teams. So, no, they, they were
2: great all year. Um yeah and schultz and love it killed them obviously yes so, yes
0: very painful um,
2: yeah but I, I do think i think there should be some weight in in factoring in that the the conference scoring and the NCA scoring is not not really comparable right and we've talked about this where you know I, I always bring up my time at arizona state <laughs> we won like three duels that year and we took six ncas because bubba and Bubba and uh, Anthony won it, and they both scored a decent amount of bonus. And Levi Cooper snuck in the All-American, and that put us in sixth place.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's We were
2: true. like 3-13 and 13
0: or something as a dual team. And I think American was like fifth, and they they had like – it was just like Fittery and Flores and maybe – one, 184. Um, Cannon? Cannon? Cannon, yeah. He was good. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's
2: so, – you could do well at NCAs with not that many people. I mean, I'm not saying it happened a whole bunch of times in here, but you know, I think of a team like You're right. Northwestern uh, would be a great example of someone who always kind of struggles in dual meets, and they they never have a super deep roster, but they always have a few really good guys who are scoring points. Um, I'm I'm sure their finish at NCAs was better than their finish at Big Tens comparatively.
0: Yes,
3: Ben. Did you guys lose to Central Oklahoma that year? Who?
2: Missouri. No, yeah. Arizona, Arizona State. State. Oh, Arizona. Oh, I don't know. We were terrible. We lost to like
3: everybody. So what Jason <laughs> Bryant says. He said that year ASU lost a Division Two Central Oklahoma at the Lone Star Duels, four and twelve as a dual team. Ouch. I don't.
2: I mean, I don't remember going to the Lone Star Duels that year. It's definitely possible. They were really. I mean, we were real. I'm telling you guys, they were bad. We were bad. We were really bad. <laughs> and, and you know, but we had Anthony. I mean, Anthony scored bonus almost every single match. You know, so he's going to score. 24 points at ncas or something like that like look at, look at this chart you, one guy scores 24 points you're in 20th place yep yeah you know and then Bubba probably scored 20 18 points somewhere in there no more oh, than that no he scored yeah
0: yeah he probably scored like he probably scored like 25 also yeah yeah crazy yeah so but you did lose to crazy. apparently central oklahoma
3: yeah <laughs> Jason was there. People don't forget. <laughs> yeah. I don't. that Yeah, I'm blanking. He blocked, on that. He blocked that out. <laughs> he, he blocked uh, it out. Yeah. I think some... they almost they almost lost
2: to Ember Riddle that year too, so someone really terrible. Wow. And Bubba, Bubba lost to an NAA guy that year. Um, I'm blanking on what the guy's Ch- name Ch- was.
0: Chang Yang yeah, yeah. Uh, dang it! I. It was had, yeah. He's
2: Asian. I I remember that.
0: Yes, he lost to a non D1. Uh, Yeah, I do. you remember this also? Yeah, I remember it. I remember it. I just can't remember his name. I'm sure Jason does. Okay, so we got some questions. Um, Here's the most important one, probably. This is a Stephen Bracky. Okay. Can you explain the difference between a mission and an operation? No, in (laughs) in
3: my opinion, they're the same thing. Mission. Uh, Yeah, I was gonna say
1: there is no difference. They're one and the same.
3: Well, we did try to figure out on the watch party, which is like.
1: Better or so? Bigger? I think
3: the operation is everything you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, which is but the battle within and which is and the There's missions within the operation, the are missions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah,
0: so you had five separate missions five separate missions operation. to
3: accomplish the operation. There it is. Yep, got it,
0: got it. <clears throat> so that makes that makes sense. So that's what the mission and operation. Well,
2: I got definitions. I got definitions up in case you guys want those. Okay. So
0: I don't think uh, your your uh, English definitions are going to help.
2: Anything to do with military stuff. Uh, the first two definitions are a factor, condition, of functioning or being active. The second was an active surgery performed on a patient. So um, whereas mission, an important assignment carried out for political, religious, commercial purposes, typically
0: including travel. These are commercial purposes. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> I no. feel like I feel like AJ doesn't need your your textbook definitions. He has his own no. personal definitions that are between him, his family, and his coaching staff. Um, so an
1: important assignment carried out. That's what he did.
3: Yes. AJ doesn't bother
1: himself with silly things like definitions. Yes.
3: He defines things. Yes.
1: <laughs> and makes it so.
3: So so Ben that that year. Um, you guys were five and twelve. You, you did crush Embry Riddle. though. Yeah, but that was the duel that Bubba lost. So he, so you guys beat Embry Riddle forty-one to six. why are you
2: fighting this stuff this fast?
3: Grand Canyon twenty-nine to eight. Fullerton twenty-five nineteen, and then you lost to Oklahoma State forty to four you beat Uh, chattanooga 22 18 you lost to kent state 30 to 7.
0: where's the oh here you lost
3: to virginia 29 18 beat northern colorado then you lost to air force you lost to american you lost to central oklahoma 23 to 22. ouch
0: (laughs) yeah y'all were y'all were stinky dual team um
3: although Bubba did not wrestle in that duel yes it was a forfeit
0: come on what was up with Bubba that day Okay, um,
2: uh, I'm blanking on the Lone Star Duel, so I could I couldn't tell you what was up with him that day. Yeah, I want to say he had a small injury sometime during that season. I feel he like maybe an meniscus. Okay, I don't
0: know maybe. Okay, uh, Trevor Brunson says, "Are we not going to talk about Sebastian Rivera? Is Kyle Brackey okay?"
3: <laughs> Listen, I'm okay. Is, is Kyle's um, number
0: one Sebastian fan or something.
3: I'm a big Sebastian Rivera fan. Um. And I was trying to jinx it so that he would win, reverse jinx it. Uh, I didn't think he looked great all weekend.
0: Well, I think I just got to come to terms with he was. I don't think he's as good as uh, those other guys. Um,
2: Yeah, but he, I mean, he got taken down twice by someone in the second round. He got taken down by Alan Hart right away.
0: Duncan and Alan Hart, yeah. Yeah, it just didn't it was look like, good like he, twice, right?
3: he had at that tournament. Um, I said on the watch party CP, I think you'd stepped out. I wonder if this is maybe like, there's no doubt in my mind, he's big enough to wrestle with these guys. I mean, mm-hmm. he took Nick Lead to overtime. Um, yeah. I wonder if it's one of those things where maybe he's still getting used to being up at that weight. Could be you know.
0: that. He did switch teams. Um, he was wrestling really well at Northwestern. Now he's at a different place. He, um, the thing is, I kind of throw out the fact that he had a long layoff because so did, like, everybody. Nick, everyone everybody. at some point did, especially in the two big ones that I, Iowa and Penn State. They
3: both Nick had, Lee had multiple a, weeks. Yes.
0: Yeah. So they had ton, tons of time off the mat. So I kind of throw that out. It could be the way. It could be. Up at this way he's not as good as those guys or his skill set doesn't translate as well.
1: Yeah, some guys just have weights where their body performs better. And yep. not saying that this is one of those things, but that could also be a factor.
0: Yeah. Um and the the margins are narrow. Now what what did he end up placing? Fourth. He, he got fourth. So yeah, I think it was you know, I don't know. He could maybe win next year, but I won't be picking him next year. I know that. No, I'll probably still pick him. Brack will still pick him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think. I mean, maybe he comes back down Is to he thirty-three confirmed for next year. He, he looks big, man. He said he. I think he said he was. He his plan was to not wrestle this year and then wrestle next year. But then when it became a no eligibility year, he's like, "All right, let's do it." Um, yeah. So. Um,
3: he does it for the fans. There yeah. were no fans.
0: Ha. He might have needed the people. Uh, I've heard Storach... This is an AZ Wrestling fan, so total rumor mill here. But let's go with it. I've heard Storach... Storach is going 74 uh, for trials. Famous. You don't think Ferrari can make 86? Uh, I think it's possible. But not two-hour way in No way. But AZ Wrestling fan, if he wasn't a frequent question-asker, I find him to be mostly credible. I just
3: don't know why it would, like... Yeah. And just go be big and strong at 97 kilos. I think he'll do, yeah, just as well. This
0: could knock at least 40 pounds off his
2: deadlift. Also, um, yeah, no, I think Sriracha to 74 is nonsense. Also,
0: yeah, because if he could make one, if he could make 163, they should have had him at 165. Yeah, although if he goes 65, then they don't have a 74. It's not like it. Uh, like makes... 5
2: didn't score points at Nationals either.
0: What? But do you understand what I'm saying? That he won 174. All he could do I is. Understand. But yeah. they
2: didn't know he was going to win 174 going into the year. And I think you would have said, at least depth-wise, 165 would be easier to win than 174, especially if you could make that weight class
0: yeah. uh, and feel good. Well, there's one thing about making it for trials and seeing what happens. And it's another thing to make it consistently. Um, three days in a row in March. That would have been probably a different thing. I'd be surprised to see them do that, but um, it would be, I'd be interested to, to see it. hmm um, This is a good question, too, because I'm curious for Ben's thoughts, because I always get nervous oh. when I see this. Is it folk style that causes Spencer's knee problems? The way he defends the ankle pass is very effective. It makes me cringe every time because it looks like his knee is getting torqued in a bad way every time. I well feel that, like i, I guess you have
2: to Spencer what position he tore his, uh, acl in right
0: yeah it apparently happened in the first 30 seconds of the schroeder of the schroeder match huh uh, at big 10 yeah. so maybe we need to go back and watch that
2: um, yeah. um i yeah i don't i don't he really does let his knee get pulled out but i think that's more just he's like he's uber flexible and he feels comfortable there um and so that's why he does it that way and obviously it's for for him it's effective it's probably not how i would teach everyone to defend that but it works
3: for him sasa is the one that makes me nervous oh yeah what? He, he like collats
0: it he like sits around his oh, knee yeah. is his always, always in front. crazy Hold
3: positions there. and it's not on
0: his his foot's not on his butt it's to the side yeah and he's like yeah. waving at the heel it's not good um they, but but they,
2: I mean, like guys like Kerry Colette or him, they must—they feel comfortable there, right? They have the flexibility to be. They put those themselves positions. there, yeah, mm. yeah. No, they put themselves there exactly.
0: All right, this will have to be our last question. Um, what do you guys think? We've talked about it, but let's just—it's—it's it's on theme. What do you think about of not reward awarding a writing time point unless you have near fall points? I actually like this. I don't hate it.
2: I don't hate it. I don't love it either, though. I'm somewhere in the middle.
0: Okay, we're me, middle medium on it. Uh, I'm I'm kind of with it. I'm kind of with it. I think it's fine.
2: Um, so I guess you. So would you would guys try harder for the back point for the back points for the extra point, or would they just not try to ride as much because they realize they're probably not getting back points and therefore
0: exactly it eliminates the guys that are riding just to ride, and it also incentivizes, in my opinion, it's. So I have this like conundrum with them calling stalling on top. When you literally have a thing called riding time that you earn a point for so you're saying you should ride um you're rewarding not turning you are literally saying well hold someone down and don't don't turn them
2: christian i mean the rule says the rule says in the rule books you have to work in, in to turn someone otherwise it's stalling and if you're working to turn them and you accumulate riding time then you get an extra point probably for your efforts in trying to turn someone and if
0: you're stalling on top you should be called for stalling yes um, I agree, but I think no, that I, ha- didn't happen. I just have a conundrum with it. Uh, so, yeah, I think no riding time unless you earn near fall, which will probably make riding time arbitrary or useless because no one's going to win by the bonus. Or I think you will see very rare instances of matches won because you got the near fall points and the plus one if you're turning the guy you're you're probably winning anyways whereas i see riding time wins a lot of people matches or puts matches in overtime as in the case with roman and dayton so um i don't know it's interesting to think about but i think that would basically if you made that rule you kind of like eliminate the importance of riding time in general in my in my opinion and with that it's time for us to go what a show we changed all the rules in wrestling
3: and made it better mm-hmm. we had an really acl
0: good. expert we
3: became acl experts we, are, we are now medical doctors we
0: are doctors and now you're all doctors too because you heard it so now
1: you congrats know guys
0: in your you can just shove that in the face of all your guidance counselors that said you wouldn't be a doctor <laughs> mm-hmm. here i am i know about knees you know why I spencer was snapped on his that. face and we stayed at Holiday Inn Express. That's where uh, <laughs> that's where Triller TV put Ben Askren up in Vegas. The Holiday Inn Express.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. White collar Ben. Credit to you, Ben. Waking up early in the morning, oh, yeah, 6:15. Yeah, I'm not gonna be here
2: tomorrow. I, two two mornings before 6 a.m. is that's enough for me, guys.
0: Yeah, he's tapping out. That's tomorrow. fair. All right. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks to Ben. Thanks to everyone for listening. Yeah. Thanks to Josh Hines, last name Big Hines, right? Days. Joe Hines. Joe Hines. I okay. like the ketchup or H-I-N-E-S like Malik Hines? Like I the ketchup. Like the ketchup, but I think the Z and the E are in a different order. Regardless, thanks to him, Joe Hines. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. See you then. Have a great Wednesday. Let's get some tacos.